I always start off with no audio sometimes. Good morning, Awakening Church. We are so glad that you've joined us. And Bob and Cheryl Fugate, thank you for joining us from Guadalajara. Almost feel like that was a live stream moment back with us. Maybe you're actually watching uh, down there in Mexico. But uh, it's good to see things happening on that property, uh, especially if you got rid of all the killer bees that stung me this last year when I was down there. So it's sort of exciting to see how God's working around the world during this COVID-19 uh, crisis. And we're sort of all in this together, different places, different seasons of the journey. And we are glad to be able to partner with other uh, missionaries and global works to be able to bring encouragement to them. You know, actually, it's sort of, uh, it really is disappointing because Bob and Cheryl, you guys, uh, they were supposed to be with us this next Sunday. This week, we were to have district uh, conference for a hundred and some churches in Southern California. And uh, that conference is now going to happen live stream in just a couple hour uh, period of time on a Monday. But uh, we were supposed to have half a week long being with one another. And a few gates were going to be joining us on the hills in that. And they were going to be sharing in our auditorium here. But uh, God had some different plans. And especially if you're able uh, in Guadalajara to be able to get those permits with all the politics down there, then God's working through that for sure. But uh, stay attuned, uh, Awakening Church. We're going to continue to build some of these global partnerships and maybe look at some short-term stuff, how we can be of encouragement to them, even get some boots on the ground. And if you do have interest in that kind of thing, just get a hold of Pastor Zach as outreach pastor and uh, let him know some of your interest on that as we look ahead. Whenever we are able to be freed and get on the other side of the quarantine, stay-at-home, safe kind of deal... Though uh, I saw a picture yesterday, seems like a lot of people were at the beach, right? And I think what we're experiencing uh, is the human condition of claustrophobia that we were not wired and built for. You know, God himself uh, is a triune God. He's one God, but he's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And there's community amidst the Trinity. And in that is a spirit of unity that uh, that community brings about. But somewhere we're missing that. And we as human beings are made in the image of God, so we're not made to isolate just by ourselves. We're made to be in relationship with one another and ultimately in relationship with the triune God. So if you're claustrophobic, if you're getting antsy, I've seen a lot of uh, text and interaction, and I'm corresponding with people says, I'm just done with this. I'm ready for this to be over. And we now see sort of a, a even almost a political combating back and forth and, and people of different expertise saying this is right to be able to open up here, this is wrong, certain states are looking at doing that. Don't know what the week holds. Don't know what the month holds of May. But you and I do know who holds us in the midst of all this transition. And just like Zach said that there's uh, been some spirit of discouragement maybe in him, maybe you have found yourself discouraged. I know uh, the beginning of last week, I just let my wife know that I felt, emo felt emotionally flat. And there's just something about needing to get um, out of the doldrums. And so today, what we're going to be looking at today, I hope is a personal encouragement to you. Uh, we're going to tie into what we looked at last week and try to bring uh, encouragement to you because our encouragement is found in Christ himself and all that's going on. One of the things that happened this week, as Zach mentioned, was that we were able um, to gift uh, 550 households flowers with just a simple encouragement. And there's part of me that went, well, 
why did that go so well? Why was it so well received? And people, you know, on Facebook posting and, and uh, we uh, saw sort of a catch fire from one person to another. There were a lot of the logistics we had to cover being able to roll this thing out. But it wasn't just because we're all at home uh, and we're able to receive a gift, but we're all starved for touch. We're all starved for some sense of encouragement, some sense of normalcy, yes, but it's really more of a sense that the world is not going crazy, that there is a rightness, that there is hope for a restoration of life as we would normally experience it. And so the personal touch that came from just a simple bouquet of flowers meant that someone was tangibly real in your life and in mine. And I want that tangible realness of encouragement to come into your home where you're at right now through the power of God and His Holy Spirit. And so I'm very mindful that I speak words here on a platform where we're used to sitting and gathering on a Sunday morning and you're seated there, whether in a living room or a porch area, whatever it may be, and there's uh, not a disconnect, but there's a distance between my words and your ears. But my prayer this morning is that between my words and your ears, the Spirit of God takes and grabs a hold of truth and reality and hope and brings it to your heart in a tangible and real way. Because what we're involved with here isn't just production with lights and video and screens. What we're involved in is something transparent. And we prayed and circled up the few of us here that are running the tech stuff right before service that God himself would minister power and strength during our time. And so if you're in a place of need, if you're discouraged, some of you are isolating, quarantined by yourself. I can't comprehend that. At least I have my family I can interact with, even though we're starting to get on each other's nerves some. But you may be in a place of not just loneliness, but of discouragement and needing hope. And I want you to know that something supernatural can even happen in these moments as we look at God's word, where between my words and your ears, the Spirit of God ministers to your heart and His presence is real. As surely as we were able to show up and give a real gift, a tangible gift, may the Holy Spirit show up and give you a real tangible word of encouragement today through His word. And so with that, will you pray with me quickly? Lord, we just ask in these moments that you would allow your word and your truth, the reality of your resurrection, to be able to become real, more real to us than maybe it's ever been. Even more real than it was on Easter two weeks ago. We pray, Lord Jesus, that you would enable us to um, tune in to your Spirit's voice. We have longings of our heart during this season. But Lord, we need to be attuned to your Spirit's voice, not only for words of encouragement, but also instructions to encourage others. And so, Lord, in that, we submit this holy moment to you in your name. And God's people said, Amen. Well, with that, I want to uh, have us recall just a little bit of what we focused on last week, whether you were able to join us or not. Last week, we talked about being satisfied in Him satisfied in Christ. And we talked about the I spy Jesus moments. There were 
hundreds, if not maybe thousands of people that visibly saw Jesus after the resurrection. It wasn't a fluke. It wasn't make-believe. It wasn't a hope-for kind of thing. It was a reality. They experienced a man who was crucified, laid in a tomb for three days, come back to life, walk among them, and show himself. In fact, Scripture gives about 10 different written accounts, eyewitness accounts, of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And we've looked at those over the last couple of weeks. I want to encourage you that those I spy Jesus moments that they had 2,000 years ago can be I spy Jesus moments in your life today. And so as we spy Jesus working in our life, oh, there he is, or there he appeared to me, whether in his word, whether through the encouragement of a friend, or maybe just supernaturally through his spirit, that you will find satisfaction in the real present Jesus. We said it this way last week, the more real and satisfied, satisfying the resurrected Jesus becomes to me. Now, why do we say that? Is because a lot of times our belief in Jesus is just a cognitive belief. It's not an experiential belief. And if you've walked with Jesus for a while, you know the difference. And if you've never had the chance to be a follower of Christ, there's a big difference between uh, just knowing about Jesus and experiencing him and spying and seeing him in your own life. And so we're wanting Jesus to be real to you. He died. He was raised from the grave. He spent 40 days on this earth giving evidence of himself, instructing and teaching people about the kingdom. Then he ascended to the heavens, it says in Acts 1. And the angel said he's going to come back in the same manner you've seen him go, which means bodily form. So just as surely as this resurrected body of Jesus ascended into the heavens, and the heavens aren't necessarily maybe out there, maybe it's just another dimension in life, but there's a spiritual dimension that the Lord operates and those who've loved him uh, and gone before us are living in right now, that realm will become more visible and Jesus will appear in bodily form at the second coming again. We live what's called in the in-between times between uh, Christ's first coming and his second coming, what's called the church age. But we can experience the real Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, and be satisfied in him if we pursue him to know him. And so we were encouraging that last week in particular, coming off of the hills of Easter. But Jesus Christ is as live from the grave today as he was on that Easter Sunday morning 2,000 years ago. And he wants you to experience him wherever you're at. Whether you're just a seeker of God this morning and trying to figure out maybe with this coronavirus journey, you're like, well, maybe there's something spiritual that I need to grab a hold of. That's great. Good job. Be able to open up your heart because it's not this natural world only. There's the supernatural world and they're really intertwined. And there's more of the supernatural world that you can experience than really what news and other people probably tell you. You can experience God through Christ, through his spirit, in his fullness, in this day and age. So I want you to experience the real resurrected Jesus and be satisfied in him. Why? Because on this journey, as we said last week in reference to that, the more real and satisfying the resurrected Jesus becomes to me, the less stressing problems, gripping fear, and tempting sin weigh in on me. And all those things can be happening to us right now with this uncertainty, right? 
there's problems, maybe they're financial problems, work-related problems, children are nurturing problems, homeschool teaching problems, teachers who are trying to teach online that have never taught online before, and you guys know who you are out there wrestling with that every week. There's stressing problems around us. And then there's the gripping fear. How long is this going to go on? I read something just this morning that said that New York City is going to take 20 months to get back, in, back to business. 20 months? Are you kidding me? I don't know what the future holds and all that, but I can't allow that fear of both the uncertainty and the fear of being able to get back to normal or what may happen with the coronavirus outbreak or if there's another strain or all these things you sort of hear about on the news. Don't allow the gripping fear to consume you. And then tempting sin. It's much more easy to be tempted when we're in a place of discomfort or frustration. Don't allow it to weigh in on you because Jesus Christ wants this to be a season where maybe you recalibrate life, including a relationship with Him including fullness and satisfaction in Him, and move forward into a life post-COVID-19 that you never had previous COVID-19. So are we just waiting it out? How many more people are going to show up at the beach? When does the barber get and the hairstylist open up? What about the gyms? They're doing it in other states, maybe our state, right? All these things. We're not waiting it out and treading water. We are allowing this season for God to work in our life and to show himself, reveal himself. I spy Jesus. Jesus worked in my life during that season when we were supposed to be staying safe and out of the normal routines of life. But it's not just being satisfied in him. Not only satisfied in him, but we need to be able to relish in the joy of his presence in our life, strengthening us. There's a hymn that was uh, written in the 1800s somewhere, and it's always sung uh, at Easter time a lot in more traditional churches. I grew up hearing the hymn. It's still a great hymn, but it's a poem that was written, and it simply starts out, and it says this, I serve a risen Savior. He's in the world today. Do you believe that? I serve a risen Savior. He's in the world today. I know that He is living, no matter what men may say. I see His hand of mercy. I hear His voice of cheer. And just the time I need Him, He's always near. He lives. He lives. Christ Jesus lives today. He walks with me and talks with me along life's narrow way. He lives. He lives. Salvation to impart. You ask me how I know he lives? He lives within my heart. And so our spy, I spy moment of Jesus today is the reality, not only that, you know, the disciples and the followers of Christ 2,000 years ago, they spotted him. And we can spot him working in the lives of others and in our life around us. But the most important I spy Jesus moment you can have to be satisfied in him is to know that he lives and he lives and can live within your heart. And so that's why one of our exhortations last week was to invite the life of Jesus 
to lead within. Have you done that? If you have done that, if you've bowed your head, bended your knee, repented of your sins, that has Jesus to come in your life. Guess what? Your eye spy moment of Jesus said he lives within you. And wherever you go or you don't go, there Jesus is because he lives within. He lives within. And there's one person that understood this really well in Scripture that wrote a lot about it. His name was the Apostle Paul. And Paul was in isolation a lot. He got thrown into prison at different times because he was proclaiming the kingdom of God. And the Apostle Paul understood that the presence of Jesus was with him as surely as if you're a follower of Jesus, his presence lives within you right now where you're seated. And that's why he said in Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Where did Paul write that from? He wrote it from prison. He wrote it, wrote it from being quarantined. And so he was finding satisfaction and strength in his ice by moment of knowing that Christ was no longer external. Jesus who blinded him on the road to Damascus and he met and he knows coming again. But that Jesus through his spirit has penetrated him and lives and dwells within him. And he's saying, I've been identified with him. I was crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who living. It's really Christ that's living in me. In the life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Now, where you're at in your Christian faith may reflect a lot of the truth that Paul identifies here. But where you're at in your Christian faith may not identify with that truth of Christ either. Because you have sought to add Jesus to your life, almost like an appendage. Like, I'm going to take Jesus and put him here with my, my life, and when I need to consult with him, I'll consult with him. If he's there, I'll talk to God. And then you go about your life. But your understanding of your Christian faith is not about what he has done, but about what you do. And so your level of feeling close to God is dependent upon how well you feel you're living the Christian life. How well you've been obedient, what kinds of sins maybe you're stayed clear from or not stayed clear from. And so we have a sense of relationship with God through Christ dependent on us and what we've done or not done. Rather than a relationship with Jesus Christ that's fully dependent upon what he has done. That's why Paul says, I've been crucified with Christ. and I no longer live. What Christ did when he was crucified, I was with Christ and that he died for my sins and I received him into my life. And it's a critical difference if you claim to be a Christian this morning to move from a you-centered life of faith to a Christ-in-you faith. Because the Christ-in-you brings you stability, steadfastness, 
and hope. And what I want to bring to you today is it brings you something more than just being satisfied in Him, especially during the run that we're on. You can be encouraged in Him. You can be satisfied in Him through an ice by moment, and He's all that I need, but He then can come as He dwells and bring encouragement, divine encouragement, even where you're seated right now. As you seek to know this Jesus who lives within. As you seek to know the Jesus who lives within. The Apostle Paul in Philippians 3.10. The Passion Translation says this. And I continually long to know the wonders of Jesus more fully. And to experience the overflowing power of his resurrection working in me. You may be familiar with it out of the NIV, which basically says, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. The Passion Translation not only works at translating something accurately from the scriptural languages of the day they were written in, but also to translate the heart that's behind that. And I've always envisioned it with Paul, but maybe you haven't. And so I like this version. Paul, in a present, I am continually longing to know the wonders of Jesus more fully and to experience the overflowing power of his resurrection working within me. And as we experience that power, as we experience and know Jesus more, then he can come to you with a still small voice. You know, I, I hesitate to go back to it. I didn't ask uh, for his permission. But uh, when Zach said to me the other day, he said, you know, I found myself at the early part of the week just not having a lot of joy. And I'm an extrovert, and I was feeling claustrophobic, kind of feeling. And I felt that maybe we could just get up and grab a hold of joy and give joy to others. Who told him to do that? Now, you may have thought, Oh, I just thought of that in my head. Or the Christ that dwells in him, that he's seeking to get to know, spoke to him that said, get up, take an initiative to bring encouragement to other people. And so he took that initiative and then a bunch of people, staff and others started to jump in and hopefully now we're extending it to other people in the communities. Just a simple touch in this time where there's not much touch. And so Jesus speaks to us and his power can get us up out of our chair to get us moving, to be able to take the initiatives, to be encouraged in Christ, but then to encourage others. And you can experience that overflowing power of his resurrection. Whoa, power from a resurrection flowing in you, not because it's some external thing that you would go and purchase at a store, but because Christ the one who created the universe dwells within us. And so you can be encouraged in any moment as you turn your heart and your thoughts to him. That's why I want to restate it this way. The more real and satisfying the resurrected Jesus becomes to me, the more his daily encouragement, peace, and overcoming strength is known in me. Encouraged in him? Do you find yourself there today? Maybe you have a friend. Maybe you have a family member that's down and struggling. 
Have them spend time pursuing, passionately pursuing, getting to know Jesus. There's been different times in my own life where I have felt that emotional flatness. And not one time have I been discouraged when I called out to Jesus. Sometimes you might feel like your prayers are hitting the ceiling or He's not close at hand. Sometimes that's been called the dark night of the soul where God pulls His presence back just so you know what it's like in this world not to experience His presence. But those dark nights of the soul are few and far between in any sense because God's not a gamemanship person that tries to pull Himself and teeter and toy with you. At no time in the midst of any discouragement that I've personally had in my life have I gone to God and He says, not now, I'm a little busy. You go over there and take a number like you do at the DMV and and you wait your turn. He doesn't do that. He ministers His presence. He's there listening. And when we can take God's Word and open it, He speaks to us from that Word. So I want to see daily encouragement, peace, and overcoming strength a part of your life. And it's found by your eyes by moments of Jesus being satisfied in Him, knowing that He lives within you and that He can be known even more. The more real and satisfying the resurrected Jesus becomes to me, the more His daily encouragement, peace, and overcoming strength is known to me. What I'd like us to do is I'd like us to take our Scriptures and I want us to turn in our Scriptures to Colossians 2. This is the Apostle Paul. He's most likely writing this word from scripture of Scripture from a prison setting again. And the Apostle Paul, as he speaks in Colossians 2, uh, gives some simple exhortations. And it's just good to be in the Word of God. And so with that, let me encourage you to turn to Colossians 2. The Passion Translation I'm going to keep with, if you don't mind. And uh, we're going to see it sort of in a new twist and a new light from maybe what you're used to. Colossians 2 says this. Paul says, I wish you could know how much I have struggled for you and for the church in Laodicea and for the many other friends I've yet to meet. Now, one thing I always do with Scripture is I put myself in and I put my situation into it so we could rewrite this and say, you know, Paul is saying that I wish I could, uh, you could know how much I've struggled for you and for the awakening church there in Marietta. And so this is a real church that Paul had touch with, and he is desiring for them to be encouraged. Verse 2, Colossians 2, I am contending for you that your hearts will be encouraged. And so uh, another translation just simply says, I, I want to encourage you uh, that in your heart and in your spirit. But the Passion Translation goes in and unpacks the emotion of this a little bit more of what Paul's saying. And so it says, I'm contending for you. I'm struggling for you. I'm challenging for you. I'm exhorting you. I'm coming at you so that your hearts right now, with where you're at and what's going on, that your hearts will be encouraged, wrapped in the comfort of heaven and woven together in love's fabric. You like how it's put that way? Isn't it fun just to sometimes when you're weary, maybe you're chilly, maybe you're overwhelmed, you're discouraged just to to get a blanket and wrap up and just sort of go snuggle by yourself and and veg a little bit. Well, there's this picture of you with your hearts being wrapped in the comfort of heaven and woven together in love's fabric. Paul is passionately desiring for those 
in Colossae to be encouraged. He then goes on to say this, this will give you access to all the riches of God as you experience the I spy moments, <laughs> the revelation of God's great mystery, which is Christ. In that day and age, Christ was not known like we know him. For some of us, he's a mere historical uh, figure of 2,000 years ago. For others of us, he's our Lord and Savior and Messiah, and we follow him. Wherever you're at in your spiritual walk, you, you need to understand this. At that time, when these scriptures were written, the idea of Jesus and what God was doing through Jesus was not known. It was a mystery, something that had been kept back. But God unpacks this mystery to Paul and to the other disciples and lets them know that it's not just about doing good works, measuring up to the law that was given, having some type of ritual and routine that you operate in life that's of a religious nature. His plan was not the ritual and routine at all. His plan was a relationship with Him. So God Himself, through Christ, and Christ was revealed as God Himself. And that's why He was put on a cross, because people didn't think God. He's not God. But then Jesus rose from the grave and proved that He was. And so Jesus was a mystery to them. And so Paul's unpacking this and showing, hey, here's the deal. The riches to be encouraged, for your hearts to be warmed and, and, and united in love, the riches are in the revelation of Jesus Christ. The revelation of Jesus Christ being real. Being real in every moment and every situation. And then verse 3 says this, for our spiritual wealth is what? It's in Him. It's always in Him. It's not about Him or doing things for Him. It's in Him. Like hidden treasure waiting to be discovered. We pray for the medical community. We pray especially for the medical researchers so that there might be a vaccine for COVID-19 that's discovered and is proven to be effective. We pray for those who have COVID-19, that they will become well. And we pray for the medical research community that someone would maybe find a, um, uh, a combination of drugs or something that would make a sick person well. And various words of encouragement on that front, from my understanding. But if there was a cure found for COVID-19 or a vaccine and it was placed in a test tube, and we started just giving out test tubes and say, here, this will help. Here, this will help. Here, this will keep you protected. I want to know, does that change anything concerning the nature of this pandemic or this virus? No. Because there is going to need to be a vaccine that's taken within the body. There is going to need to be a, a medicine to help that's taken in the body somehow. And so for our spiritual wealth and for our encouragement, we have to take Christ in us because all the spiritual wealth and health and strength is going to come by Him living within us. And if you're trying to live a Christian life or get some spiritual help right now without ever taking that initiative to surrender your life and invite Christ within, then I, I want to encourage you, look that direction instead of just throwing up prayers of hope 
God wants to come within. And when he comes within, he's a treasure. He's a treasure that's waiting to be discovered in all of its full dimensions as he sort of unloads his medicinal uh, abilities to bring change and encouragement. Like heaven's treasure waiting to be discovered. What is it? Heaven's wisdom and endless riches of revelation knowledge. And it comes within, through him. And that's how we get to know him and the power of his resurrection. Let me jump to verse 6. Paul says this, In the same way you have received Jesus, our Lord and Messiah, by faith, I want you now to take him who dwells within, to continue on your journey of faith, progressing further into our union with him. There's an awful lot to continue to unpack with this whole aspect of our union with him. But you are united united together. And what Christ has done, you have done. What he has available to him is available to you and I. And we need to progress further in our understanding of our union with him. And that's one of the reasons I just sort of simply sit here and park. I mean, I can be a cheerleader this morning and say, man, I'm sorry you're discouraged. Let's go. Just be encouraged. Raw, raw, raw. It's going to end someday. We're going to get at it. Or I could say, let's center in. Let's center in on the beautiful reality of his presence dwelling within us. And what does that mean? He walks with me and he talks with me and he tells me I am his own. He lives. He lives. You know why I know he lives? Because he lives within my heart. It's an experiential turning to him. And that's my simple focus today is that you would progress further in your union with him and by that be encouraged. Verse 7, your spiritual roots go deeply into whose life? His life. As you are, four things here, continually infused with strength, encouraged in every way, For you are established more than in your faith that you have absorbed by taking it into your body, his life. And enriched by your devotion to him. Would you like to have an infusion today? Would you like to be encouraged? Would you like to be more established? Would you like to be enriched spiritually? Then it founds by putting your roots down deeper into Christ. And that's Paul's exhortations in Colossians 2. And then in verse 9, he simply says, For he is the complete fullness of the deity living in human form. He is the complete fullness of the deity. God himself, Jesus is. And our own completeness is now found in him. In him. It's found in him as he is been invited to live and lead within. We are completely filled with God as Christ's fullness overflows within us. He is the head of every kingdom and authority in the universe. In the universe. Have you ever heard about the five love languages? Many, many of you have. It's been around for quite a while. Dr. Gary Chapman wrote a book on it, and psychologists articulating it. 
This last uh, week, my wife, Melissa, who uh, helps lead the um, HELD group, which is uh, the ministry for moms of uh, special needs kids, they were going through the love languages and studying their students, I mean their kids as well as themselves. And she said, would you go and redo that five love language test again? And you can find that test. It's on fivelovelanguages.com. And there's a place at the top that says quizzes. And you can take a quiz for children and singles and, and couples, whatever it may be. But the five love languages some of you are very familiar with. And what the love languages are is how you like to receive love from others. And how you hope that they're willing to receive love from you. And you're learning them because each of us are wired a little bit different. And the five love languages, some of you can call them out, but here they are. Acts of service, words of affirmation, personal touch, quality time, and receiving gifts. Now out of these five, which one would you say is your top love language? How you like to receive love. And take the quiz, right? Some of you maybe know it off the top of your head. I retook the quiz. I was not surprised. My top love language are acts of service. When somebody does something for me or I have a job that needs to be done, someone jumps in and does it, and I go, wow, I can't believe you did that. It's so great. That speaks volumes to me, acts of service. Maybe it's words of affirmation. That's actually my second one. And words of affirmation is somebody telling you that that a boy, you're doing really good. But it's really more than that. It's, it's a sincere evaluation speaking into their life. For some, it's physical touch, just the encouragement, walking up and giving somebody a hug, which we're not able to do uh, during this time much. And we're all getting paranoid about that, which is really sad because we're wired that way as human beings to have touch. And you know, so it, maybe it's physical touch of just giving a back rub or something like that. And boy, you just bask in that physical touch. Maybe it's quality time, just going on a walk, spending time together. You don't even have to be talking. It's just being in the presence of one another. You like that love language. Or maybe it's receiving gifts. And it can be a simple gift, but it's a heartfelt, meaningful gift. And man, that just speaks volumes to you. So we're at different places, different scales with the five love languages, as uh, Gary Chapman writes about, and many people have evaluated their relationships with others on. Where might you be at on this? I was acts of service, words of affirmation, personal touch, quality times in there, my receiving gifts. I don't know, I scored so low on that, I know if it hardly registered. Each of us are wired different. Where does that come from? How we like to... God has made us in his image. And God himself has extended to us his love and wired us to receive love in some ways. Could it be that these five love languages are ways for you to be encouraged in him as he dwells and lives within you? May you focus on acts of service that Christ has done for you. The greatest act was dying on the cross for you. Maybe he bailed you out in prior years of something you'd fallen into. And God strengthened you. And you saw him act. And you can recall that and be encouraged by it. Maybe it's a word of affirmation he spoke to you that maybe you wrote down in a journal. And you can go back to that journal and say, God spoke to me that word. There's a young 
boy in our church that maybe is watching right now by the name of Nathan. And I saw a post of his mom's this last week that uh, he had maybe a little tough week, but they were at In-N-Out Burger and he flipped over the uh, fries of In-N-Out on the bottom of it. He saw a scripture verse out of Proverbs and he says, wow, this is what it feels like to have God speak to you. Well, he felt that word of affirmation. I didn't even know there's scripture verses on the bottom of the, the French fry boxes of, of In-N-Out or the, I guess their drinks too, but I guess it's there. But is it a word of affirmation where God speaks to you? And it may be from his word, maybe a personal word that is given to you by his divine spirit. And you can go back and recall that or receive for it now. Maybe it's a physical touch or with Christ, it's, it's a personal touch that he's there in presence. And you go, need to go no further than this, that he became one of us. He came into our presence. He wasn't the distant God. He came into our presence. What about quality time? God spending time with you to be able to hear from Him. He's always there. Or receiving gifts. The greatest gift is salvation. But He also gave the gift of His Holy Spirit. And He gives spiritual gifts. God operates towards us in these five love languages and we can be encouraged by Him as maybe we think through those. And so I'll just highlight those. Encouraged in Him, being blessed by His acts of service. His acts of service. Hearing His words of affirmation. Greater love has no one than this, that one lay down his life for his friends. Jesus said, you are my friends. Wow, I'm your friend. What a great word of affirmation experiencing his personal touch, his personal touch that Christ is there and Christ is able to minister at any moment to you and I. And the word became flesh, it says in John, and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory, gloriously the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. And enjoying his quality time, his quality time of being there with you, and then receiving of his gifts. For God so loved the world that he gave. He gave his one and only son. Are you encouraged in him? I trust so. I trust you're encouraged in him. But then scripture teaches us that we are to encourage one another. And to build each other up. Just as in fact you are doing. It says in 1 Thessalonians 5.11. So let's take those five love languages and turn them around. And let's encourage others this week. Bless others with acts of service. Speak to others words of affirmation. Extend to others personal touch. Offer to others quality time. And give to others heartfelt gifts. You know, as we're talking about a little bit of staff and just the personal touch that meant so much when someone received a bouquet of flowers. It's like, well, we just need to keep rolling with this. And we're able to get them at a reduced cost. We're glad to order as many as we need and have them ready for Thursday for you to pick them up. Maybe you just need to give a personal note of encouragement to others. On this, we just simply said we wanted to let you know that the Awakening Church loves you and we're here for you. Isolation is hard. Allow these flowers to brighten up your day in a time of uncertainty. And then Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 says this, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, 
and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. And as Pastor Zach mentioned, you just merely email connect at theawakening.church. Let us know how many you need. $5 donation if you're able to make that. If not, that's fine. Let's turn our church inside out and encourage the community. You know, one of these sets of flowers went to a mom that's in special needs um, Bible study. And uh, she doesn't attend this church, uh, follower of Christ, but she uh, received her flowers yesterday. And I guess she's a vlogger and she has over 100,000 people that follow her vlogging. And she posted a shout out to the Awakening Church, the encouragement. And there was like a thousand likes on it from someone who doesn't even attend our church. People today are starved for some personal touch and encouragement. Will you encourage them? You may say, I'm down and out myself. I've got the blasés. Well, friends, pick up the mantle. Jesus said, I did not come to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. And that's what he did, an act, a simple act of service to bless one another. Maybe speaking words of affirmation as you write a note, extending that by dropping it off at a front door, offering to them maybe quality time to interact after that if they so choose, giving a heartfelt gift. Something simple, maybe you got other ideas, that's great, but let's not just wait around for the whole epidemic, the pandemic thing to pass. Let's be about the kingdom's work in the midst of it. You need to be satisfied in him by realizing he lives within you. And you will be encouraged as his power and strength overflows into your life. And you can pick up the towel and serve others, provide a gift, and champion someone else. Your heart will be elated by the simple reality that you can help others. Will you do that? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, here this morning, we thank you that we're able to look into your word, be strengthened by it, and then have a simple go-to idea of how we can help others. So Lord, across the airwaves and in, throughout homes in this valley and even across other places in the nation of the world, however it's possible, Lord, may we join together, may we be your hands and your feet and encourage others as we are encouraged in you. May we not find ourselves falling into a disgruntled spirit of discouragement or even harming others uh, in whatever means around us. But may we find you and in you be your presence to a world in need. Amen. Thanks for today. God bless you in your home. We're going to get through this because he lives in us and is working through us to reach others. Amen.